Chapter Two, Part One of Commentary on the Gospel of John, Book Eleven, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two: That His Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, is naturally in the Son and in His substance, as He is also in the substance of the Father. Fifteen all things whatsoever the father hath are mine and therefore i said unto you that he taketh of mine and shall declare it unto you the son once more shows to us herein the complete and perfect character of the person of the father himself also and allows us to see why he said that he being the fruit of the father's substance engrosses in himself all that belongs to it and says that it is all his own, and with reason. For, as there is nothing to dissever or estrange the Son from the Father, so far as their complete similarity and equality is concerned, save only that he is not himself the Father, and as the divine substance does not show itself differently in the two persons, surely their attributes are common, or rather identical so that what the father hath is the son's and what he that begat hath belongs also to him that is begotten of him for this reason i think in his watchful care over us he has thus spoken to us concerning this for he did not say all things whatsoever the father hath i have also in order to prevent our imagining he meant a mere likeness founded on similarity only moulded by adventitious graces into conformity with the archetype as is the case with us for we are after god's likeness rather when he says all things whatsoever the father hath are mine he illustrates hereby the perfect union which he hath with his father and the meaning of their consubstantiality existing in unchangeable attributes and this you may see that he clearly says elsewhere when addressing the father all things that are mine are thine and thine are mine for surely they are identical in nature in whom there is no severance at all but complete and perfect essential equality and likeness god the father then hath of himself and in himself his own spirit that is the holy spirit through whom he dwelleth in the saints and reveals his mysteries to them not as though the spirit were called to perform a merely ministerial function do not think this but rather as he is in him essentially and proceeds from him inseparably and indivisibly interpreting what is in reality his own when he interprets that which belongs to him in whom he exists and from whom he springs for god only has union with the creation through his son in the spirit and this spirit is also an attribute of the only begotten for he is consubstantial with the father since then he says it is seen to be natural to god the father to reveal himself in his own spirit to those who are worthy of him and to accomplish through him all his purposes and since this kind of action belongs to me also for this cause i said 
he receiveth of me and will show it unto you and let no man be perplexed when he here hears the word receiveth but rather let him consider the following fact and he will do well the things of god are spoken of in language as though god were even as we are but this is not really the case for his ways are superhuman we say then that the spirit receives of the father and the son the things that are theirs in the following way not as though at one moment he were devoid of the knowledge and power inherent in them and at the next hardly acquires such knowledge and power when he is conceived of as receiving from them for the spirit is wise and powerful nay rather absolute wisdom and power not by participation in anything else but by his own nature but rather just as we should say that the fragrance of sweet-smelling herbs which assails our nostrils is distinct from the herbs so far as their conception in thought is concerned but proceeds from the herbs in which it originates only by being a recipient of their faculty of giving scent in order to its display and is not in fact distinct from them because its existence is due to and is wrapped up in them even such an idea or rather one transcending this must you imagine about the relation of god to the holy spirit for he is as it were a sweet savour of his substance working plainly on the senses conveying to the creature an affluence from god and instilling in him through itself participation in the sovereign substance of the universe for if the fragrance of sweet herbs imparts some of its power to garments with which it comes in contact and in some sort transforms its surroundings into likeness with itself surely the holy ghost has power since he is by nature of god to make those in whom he abides partakers in the divine nature through himself the son then being the fruit and express image of the father's person by nature engrosses all that is his and therefore he says all things whatsoever the father hath are mine therefore said i unto you that he taketh of mine and shall declare it unto you the spirit that is who is through him and in him by whom he personally dwells in the saints for his spirit is not distinct from him even though he may be conceived of as having a separate and independent existence for the spirit is spirit and not the son sixteen a little while and ye behold me no more and again a little while and ye shall see me because i go to the father after having first said that he would reveal to them by his spirit everything that was necessary and essential for them to know he discourses to them of his passion nigh unto which was his ascension into heaven rendering the coming of the spirit very necessary for it was no longer possible for him after he had gone up to the father to hold converse in the flesh with his holy apostles and he makes his discourse with the greatest caution thereby robbing their sorrow of its sting 
for well he knew that great fear would once more reign in their hearts and that they would be consumed with an agony of grief expecting to be overwhelmed by terrible and unendurable evils when their bereavement should come to pass and the saviour ascend to the father for this cause i think he does not tell them that he would die the madness of the jews requiring even his life of him but keeps this secret rather in his great consideration for them he greatly softens the rigour of his discourse and shows them that close upon their suffering would follow the joy of heart which his resurrection would occasion them saying a little while and ye behold me no more and again a little while and ye shall see me for now the time of his death drew nigh which would take the lord out of the sight of his disciples for a very short season until after despoiling hell and throwing open the gates of darkness to those that dwelt therein he built up again the temple of his body whereupon he manifested himself once more to his disciples and promised to be with them alway even unto the end of the world according to the scripture for even though he be absent in the body taking his place for our sake at the father's side and sitting at his right hand still he dwells by the spirit with those who are worthy of him and has perpetual converse with his saints for he has promised that he will not leave us comfortless as then there was but a short interval of time before his passion would begin he says a little while and ye see me no more for he was to be hidden from sight in a manner by death for a brief space and again he says a little while and ye shall see me for on the third day he revived having preached unto the spirits in prison the proof of his love towards mankind was hereby rendered most complete by his giving salvation i say not merely to the quick but also by his preaching remission of sins to those who were already dead and who sat in darkness in the depths of the abyss according to the scripture and remark how with reference to his passion and his resurrection he said a little while and ye behold me no more and again a little while and ye shall see me and how merely adding because i go to my father leaves the rest unsaid he did not explain to them how long he would remain there or when he would come again and why was this because it is not for us to know times and seasons which the father hath set within his own authority according to the words of our saviour himself seventeen eighteen some of his disciples therefore said to one another what is this that he saith unto us a little while and ye behold me not and again a little while and ye shall see me and because i go to the father they said therefore what is this that he saith a little while we know not what he saith the inspired disciples not yet understanding what he had said converse among themselves and are in doubt as to what a little while and again a little while and ye shall not see me might mean 
christ however anticipates their desire for information and once more very seasonably shows them that he knows their hearts as god and that he is as well aware of what they are turning over in their minds and what was as yet buried in the depths of their hearts as though they had already given utterance to it in speech for what is there which can be hid from him before whom all things are naked wherefore also he saith to one of the saints who is this that hideth counsel from me and putteth together words in his heart and thinketh that he keepeth it secret from me he then at every turn uses occasion as it offers to nurture in them secure and unshaken faith nineteen twenty jesus perceived that they were desirous to ask him and he said unto them do ye inquire among yourselves concerning this that i said a little while and ye behold me not and again a little while and ye shall see me verily verily i say unto you that ye shall weep and lament but the world shall rejoice ye shall be sorrowful but your sorrow shall be turned into joy as then they were thirsting for information and sought to know more exactly the meaning of his words he gives a clearer exposition of his passion and vouchsafes them the foreknowledge of the sufferings that he was about to undergo to their great profit it was not in order that he might engender in them premature alarm that he deemed it meet to give them this explanation beforehand but in order that forearmed by their knowledge they might perchance be found more courageous to withstand the terror that would assail them for that of which the advent is expected is milder in its approach than that which is wholly unlooked for when then you who are truly mine and united to me by your love towards me shall behold your guide and master undergoing the brunt of the madness of the jews their insults and outrages and all that their mad frenzy will prompt then indeed ye shall weep and lament but the world shall rejoice that is those who are not minded to follow god's will but are as it were enchained by worldly lust he refers also to the vulgar herd of jewish rabble as well as the impious band of enemies of god who had secured the lead among them namely the scribes and pharisees who made jest at the trials our saviour had to endure and raised many cries to their own damnation at one time saying if thou art the son of god come down now from the cross and we will believe thee and at another thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days save thyself for such will be the foul utterances of the blasphemous tongue of the jews but while the men of the world would be of this mind and such will be their deeds and cries you will mourn but not for long will you have this suffering to endure for your sorrow will be turned into joy for i shall live again and will wholly remove the cause of your despondency and i will comfort the mourners and will renew in them a good courage that will be eternal and without end for the joy of the saints ceaseth not for christ is alive for evermore and through him the bonds of death are loosed for all mankind 
it is perhaps too not impertinent to reflect that the worldly will contrarywise be doomed to a fate of endless misery for if when christ died after the flesh those who were truly his mourned but the world rejoiced at his passion and if when death and corruption were rendered powerless by the resurrection of our saviour christ from the dead the mourning of the saints was turned into joy surely in like manner also the joy of the worldly-minded will be lost in sorrow twenty one twenty two a woman when she is in travail hath sorrow because her hour is come but when she is delivered of the child she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world and ye therefore now have sorrow but i will see you again and your heart shall rejoice and your joy no one taketh from you he once more dilates upon the solace he had given them and illustrates it by diverse words in every way aiding them to dispel the bitterness of their sorrow for observe how earnestly he persuades them by obvious illustration of the necessity of endurance and of not being over dismayed by troubles or sorrows if they must surely and inevitably end in rejoicing for the child he says is the fruit of sore travail and it is through pain that the joy they have in their children comes to mothers and if at the first they had felt faint-hearted at the prospect of the travail of childbirth they would never have consented to conceive but would rather have chosen to escape marriage which is the cause and would never have become mothers at all avoiding by their cowardice a state which is highly desirable and thrice blessed in like manner then will your suffering also not fail to meet its reward for you will rejoice when you see a new child born into the world incorruptible and beyond the reach of death plainly he alludes to himself here he tells them that the joy of heart that they will have in him cannot be taken away from them or lost for as paul says or rather as the very truth itself implies having died once for all he dieth no more the joy of heart then that rests upon him hath in very truth a sure foundation for if we mourned at his death who shall take from us our joy now that we know that he lives and will be alive for evermore he who gives and ordains for us all spiritual blessings no man then taketh their joy from the saints as our saviour says but they who nailed him to the cross were bereft of their joy once and for ever for now that his suffering is ended which they thought an occasion for rejoicing sorrow will be their portion of inevitable necessity twenty three twenty four and in that day ye shall ask me nothing verily verily i say unto you if ye shall ask anything of the father he will give it you in my name hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be fulfilled he says that his holy disciples will increase in wisdom and knowledge when they should be clothed with power from on high according to the scripture 
and with their minds illumined by the torchlight of the spirit should be able to conceive all wisdom even though they asked no question of him who was no longer present with them in the flesh the saviour does not indeed say this because they will have no more need of light from him but because when they had received his own spirit and had him indwelling in their hearts they would have in their minds no lack of every good thing and would be fulfilled with the most perfect knowledge and by perfect knowledge we mean that which is correct and incapable of error and which cannot endure to think or say any evil thing and which has a right belief concerning the holy and consubstantial trinity for if we see now in a mirror darkly and we know in part still while we wander not astray from the doctrines of the truth but adhere to the spirit of the holy and inspired writings the knowledge that we have is not imperfect a knowledge which no man can acquire save by the light of the holy spirit given unto him hereby he exhorts the disciples to pray for spiritual graces and at the same time gives them this encouragement that what they ask they will not fail to obtain adding the comforting assurance of the word verily to his promise that if they will go to the father's throne and make any request they will receive it of him he himself acting as mediator and leading them into the father's presence for this is the meaning of the words in my name for we cannot draw nigh unto god the father save by the son alone for through him we have obtained access in one spirit unto the father according to the scripture therefore also he saith i am the door i am the way no one cometh unto the father but by me for inasmuch as the son is also god together with the father he conveys good gifts to the saints and associates himself with him in granting us the portion of the blessed moreover the inspired paul most evidently confirms our belief herein by writing these words grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ and in right of his titles mediator high priest and advocate he conveys to the father prayers on our behalf for he gives us all boldness to address the father in the name then of our saviour christ we must make our request for so will the father most readily grant them and will give to those that ask good gifts that we may take them and rejoice therein so being fulfilled with spiritual graces and enriched with the grant of knowledge from him through the holy spirit dwelling in our hearts we shall gain a very easy triumph over every strange and abominable lust and thus being active in good works and attaining to the practice of every virtue with fervent zeal and strengthened with everything whatsoever that maketh for sanctification we rejoice with exceeding joy at the prospect of the reward that awaits us and dismissing the despondency that springs from an evil conscience we have our hearts enriched with the joy that is in christ this did not enter into the life of the men of old time they never practised this manner of prayer for they knew it not 
but now is it ordained for us by christ at the appropriate season when the time of the accomplishment of our redemption was fulfilled and the perfect fruition of all good was gained for us by him for just as the law accomplished nothing and as righteousness according to the law was incomplete so also was the mode of prayer inculcated thereby End of chapter 2, part 1